Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Today is the day I break records. That means I'm going to preach for three hours. And you are here to witness it. Wow. Blessed day. Amen. Happy day. Romans chapter 6 verse 4. Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, in the same manner the Bible says, we believers also should walk in newness of life. Oh, hallelujah. We have new life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, and that old man is not your father. I know some of you call your father my old man. No, this old man is you. Was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once. Jesus will die only once. For all, for all mankind. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, that means believers, reckon yourselves, that means consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. The penalty, the power. Dead to sin. We are dead to sin. But alive to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are celebrating Redemption Weekend. Redemption is all about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we are not doing it traditionally, culturally, just as a ritual. Now, almost every Christian in Nagaland would know that Good Friday, Jesus died. Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. And yet, Christianity is not only about facts, historical facts. We know the historical facts. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to Mary and Joseph. Jesus died in Jerusalem on Mount Calvary. Jesus rose from the dead. We know the historical facts, but knowing the facts is not going to change your life. We have to go beyond the facts to the spiritual truths and make it personal. Did you know that if you were an Israelite 2,000 years ago, you were there in Jerusalem and you saw Pilate judge Jesus. And you were there hearing all the Jews saying, crucify him, crucify him. And you saw Jesus carry the cross up to Mount Calvary. And you saw Jesus on the cross dying, shedding his blood. And you saw all of that. You witnessed all of those physical events. Did you know that you would not have understood anything that was happening? You had seen it, but you would not have understood what was happening. And that's where most Christians are. We sing about the cross, we do dramas about the resurrection, but we don't even understand how, what implications it has for us individually. We must know. Listen to this. The Old Testament says a Messiah is coming from the book of Genesis. The seed of the woman is coming to crush the head of the serpent. The Gospels tell us, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that Messiah came. His name is Jesus. He was born to Mary and he lived and then he died on the cross. Presents to us the facts. But the epistles of Paul points back to the revelation of the cross and explains to us what happened. So this is like the news that is coming. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. The Gospels tell us He came, He came. And then the epistles is like the x-ray, the MRI scan that explains in detail what was happening on the cross. So that when you understand it and you make it personal for your life, you will understand that there was more that was happening than just a man dying on the cross. Because these verses 
in the book of Romans, looking back to the cross, the revelation of the gospel, Paul says, look at the slides. When Jesus died on the cross, we died with Him. This is the mystery of redemption. When Jesus died on the cross, we died with Him. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Do you know that you are dead? See, everything that Jesus did on the cross, He did not for Himself. He did as us. For us and as us. He did not have to die. He was perfect. He's the son of God. But he became man. He took our sin. He took our curse, our penalty on him. So that when he died, we died. We should have died, but he died. He died in our place. Secondly, when Jesus was buried, we were buried with him. And that's what water baptism signifies. We were buried with him through baptism into death. The next thing that Paul says is this. When Jesus rose from the dead, we rose from death. We rose from death. See, many Christians cannot rejoice and be happy about the life that God has given to them because they don't know this truth. That's why they're given to death. Death in the soul, death in the mind. They come to church always sad, discouraged. Death, you have been raised from the dead. If we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. You have been raised. When Christ rose from the dead, He did not rise for Him. He rose for us, as us. So that when Christ rose, we rose. It is as if I rose from the dead. And that's why we can say like Paul, death, where is your sting? Christians should never be afraid of dying. Never. One of the way the Antichrist in the last days is going to persecute Christians is through the fear of death. Point a gun in your head and say, give up Jesus. And many Christians will be like, why are we afraid of dying? Death is only a door to eternity. For those who are in Christ, death is not an enemy. I'm not saying invite death. I'm not saying go, go, jump. I'm not saying that. We, we live to fulfill God's purpose. And when the time is there for us to check out and go to heaven, we do it with grace, with dignity. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. When Christ ascended to the right hand of God, not only resurrected, but He ascended. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 6, and raised us up together. Everyone said together. Everyone said together. Together. Together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus is at the right hand of God as us. So that today your spiritual position is there. Even though you are here. Amen. Now, difficult to understand because some of you are like, but I'm still here. 2,000 years Jesus died, I'm here. It doesn't make sense. Who died? Your old man died. Your old man. The old man is the sin nature man. The nature that you inherited from Adam. The nature of sin that was in you. That person died. That person died. The one that you possessed from Satan because Adam sinned and he took on the nature of sin. The man that sinned and cursed and lied and cheated and stole. That man, the old you is dead. And the word dead means annihilated, destroyed. It's gone. That old headhunter you is gone. We like to talk about, oh, we were headhunters. Hey, the headhunters are gone. It's gone. Annihilated. That old you is gone and the new you is Christ in you. You see, everything that Jesus did is credited to our account. The Bible says it's imputed. This is what we call the mystery of identification, our union in Christ. 
our union in Christ. When Christ died, I died. When Christ was buried, I was buried. When He rose from the dead, I rose from the dead. When He ascended, I ascended. Because together with Him, I am accounted in the work of Jesus. God looks at me and accounts everything that Jesus did into my account. Hallelujah. Now, knowing this truth is the key to experiencing the new life in Christ and enjoying it, living it vitally every day because that's where you will experience your victories in Christ. Can you say amen? I've seen so many Christians born again and after they're born again, they experience the initial newfound faith which is filled usually with joy and peace and victory. They're enjoying their new relationship with Jesus, learning to walk by faith. But over time, as they begin to deal with the complexities of their faith, the challenges of the Christian life, and also the trials and the problems of day-to-day -day life, I've noticed that many Christians settle for a Christian life that is comfortable for them, that they can understand. A life that they can reason intellectually and a life where they begin to accept whatever life throws at them, whatever circumstance they are in. And without knowing it, they begin to live the same way they used to live before they got born again. Do you agree with me? They begin to live by their feelings. They begin to live by their emotions. They begin to live by their intellect and their reasoning and not by faith. And now their faith life becomes relegated only to special events like Easter or Jubilee. That's when they shout, Hallelujah, Jesus is alive. But when they go home, they're dead. Why? The zeal is gone. The passion is gone. The sensitivity to the Spirit is gone. The purpose and the faith is gone. The heightened sensitivity to the Kingdom of God when they got born again, that is gone. And we begin to settle for a religious life that just consists of rituals, tradition, go to church every Sunday, observe days and so on, but without the vital life of God functioning in our life. I want you to see today that there is new life for you in Christ. For every believer. And it is not just a theological truth. It's a real practical truth to be experienced, not only in heaven, but here in this lifetime. From the moment you accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Can you say Amen? Do you know that if you don't understand this, you can live your entire Christian life without enjoying this functional Zoe life of God in you? And the tragedy is that you can be born again, have the Holy Spirit in you, the power of the blood working for you, and yet your life is no different at all from unbelievers. You see, we are light in God. We are from darkness into light. Our life must reflect a completely different reality. When the judgment of God came on Egypt, there was light on Goshen, light, not just light of the sun. It was supernatural light on Goshen. So that the reality that the Israelites experienced was completely different and everyone could see it and know it. That's the kind of life God wants you to have in Christ. And if you are born again, you already have this life. First John chapter 5 verse 12 says, He who has the Son has life. How many of you have Jesus? Can I see your hands? You have this life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. He who has the Son has life. Has life. Life. Now when you say life, don't say, He who has the Son has life. Life. Are you born again? Yeah, I'm born again. Are you happy in Jesus? Yes, I'm very happy. No, he who has the Son has life. The word life there is zoe. God kind of life. How many of you have Jesus? Then you have life. You have it. Don't worry, wonder. Where? I, I don't feel this life. I can't see this life. No, do you have Jesus? Do you believe in Him? You have this life. You have it. Let me give you some truths about this new life in Christ. Number one, redemption. 
you are forever forgiven of your sins. The new life in Christ is this. You don't live with guilt and condemnation anymore because you are forgiven of your sins. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Oh, this is the greatest news. And do you know that the fact of the resurrection, it means this. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, it means this. Every price for every single sin from eternity, from the beginning of time till the end of time has been paid. Jesus paid it all. Every negative thought, every gossip, every hatred, every little thought, every little lust in your mind that's all oh, that was basically contempt. It's forgiven. Forgiven. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead, it means this. We are justified. We are made righteous. Jesus rose for our justification. So the new life in Christ means that we are forgiven of our sins if you will just believe. Many Christians live as if there's a sword of Damocles hanging on the head. Go and read Greek mythology where there is this person who's always feeling as if there's a sword hanging on him, about to fall anytime and kill him. See, many Christians always thinking some curse is going to come. Some judgment is going to come. Some punishment. Some sickness. And they're always living with this guilt and expectation of evil. Has that been your past experience? Because you are always thinking, there must be some sin somewhere not forgiven. There must be some fault somewhere that's not forgiven. And you become so sin conscious, fault conscious, that you're always expecting some evil. So when you're walking on the road and you stumble on a stone, and you start confessing all your sins. I know some people who do that. You're forgiven of all your sins. Number two, a new nature. You are born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation. New, 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 new. Oh, you're someone completely new. The moment you got born again. Yesterday we had about 20 come and give their life to Jesus. The moment they accepted in the spirit, they're completely new. They are light. They are shining on the inside. You are a new creation. Born of the spirit. Born of the word of God. You're not just a human being. You are a new creation with a new nature. Do you know that everything in creation has nature? Plants have nature. Tomato has a nature. Apple has a nature. Stone has a nature. Sand has a nature. Precious stones have nature. Insects have nature. Birds have nature. Bir fish have their own nature. They're all made up of some substance which is different from the rest. Yes or no? Yes. Now when you get born again, you have a new nature. You're not the same anymore. You're not just flesh and blood. Yes, you have an outer covering, but on the inside, you are born of God. You have the nature of God in you. The Bible says the same nature as God is in you because we are made in His image. So if God is love, you are Mr. Love and you are Miss Love. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are Mr. Love. By that, I don't mean romantic, alright? Don't exchange for numbers. No, I'm talking about agape love. You're going to... You will give your life for that other person, but you will never give your phone number. Did you understand the difference? Yes. Don't invite them to your house for dating, but get on your knees and pray for them for their salvation. That's agape love. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Number three, you have justification. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Woo! The war is over. Maybe not with India. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just joking. 
hey, I have peace with them. All my good friends are Indians, man. No. <laughs> but listen, till the peace settlement is there, something in the heart still blocking, right? Agree or not? Yes. You know why? Because the final signature has not come yet. Ah, now you understand. On the cross, when Jesus died, God came and He signed peace. Peace with humanity. Peace. So that there should be nothing in your heart condemning you to come to a loving God. Oh, we have peace. Not we will have peace when we die and go to heaven. Not we will have peace when we are perfect. No, we have, have, have. Come on, say, I have peace with God because I believe in Jesus. Number four, adoption. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, sonship, by whom we cry out, Daddy. Abba means Daddy. By whom we cry out, Daddy, Abba, Father. You have that. For those who believe you are no longer a sinner, you are no longer a slave, you're not on the outside, you are now inside, a part of God's household. God is your Father. And from today, you can say, God's my Father, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. So live like it. Don't just sing it. Amen. I am a child of God. But when you're walking next to cemetery, I am a child of God, right? But when you are there on the marketplace and you're bargaining, the child of God raises hands and starts beating. Hey, you are a child of God. Give 10 rupees extra to the shopkeepers. Right? Give 50 extra to the Bihari shopkeeper. Give. Say, hey, it's okay. You want 10? I'll give you 20 more. You're cheating me? Let me bless you more. That's how a child of God, I'm not joking. Some of you are a child of God. You can, I'm a prince. I'm royalty. But when you go out, you bargain for two rupees and you will fight and you're like, <laughs> you're a child of God. As child of God, sometimes we let others cheat us. It's okay. It will touch them. It will bring revelation of grace in their lives. Hallelujah. Number five. You are light in the Lord. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are no longer in darkness. No, this darkness is not talking about literal darkness, night and day. It's talking about darkness here in the spirit. Darkness in the soul. We are delivered from the power of darkness. You are in light, light, light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. So if you have Jesus, you have light, light. Now you know the difference between death and life, sin and righteousness. You know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. You are children of light. Walk as children of light. That means you've got to learn to tap into the wisdom of God on the inside. The Holy Spirit's wisdom. Do you know that in many of the great universities of this planet, there's darkness. They are functioning from the knowledge of the mind. They're functioning from the knowledge of the physical senses. They have no spiritual knowledge. They don't know what truth is. So they may debate, they may have double PhDs, but they are still in darkness. True light is from heaven. True light is spiritual truth. And that's why now I know the Bible is the most valuable book. It's the greatest bestseller throughout history. This no bestseller of any author can rival what is here. This is not a boring book. This is full of light. Full of light. Hallelujah. You are light. Come and say this to me. I am light. You have the light. You're not in darkness. But pastor, I don't know what I should do. I don't know where I should go. Exactly. You need to learn to tap into the life of God. Not from here. From the Spirit. From faith. 
from humility, from obedience. Adam and Eve were the first who said, uh, what God is saying is not true. Let's do our own way. Let's do it. And the moment they did it, bang, darkness came. But then another Adam came, Jesus, and he decided to say, not my will, O Lord, but your will be done in my life. And he obeyed and bang, light came. You want to walk in light? Obey God. The more you disobey, the more in darkness you will be. The more you lie. Have you ever lied? Yeah, the more you lie, have you noticed darkness in your soul? The more you lie, you'd feel bad, but you can't help it because you have to lie to protect the other lie. So you lie again. And the more you lie, ah, you got to save yourself. Otherwise, everyone would say you are a liar. So you keep on lying more and more and more. And you check your heart and you feel terrible on the inside. You, you lose all sense of right and wrong after a while. Number six, this is what I want to get to, eternal life. John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Has passed from death into life. How many of you believe in Jesus? You have passed from death into life. You are in this country called life. You are in this zone called life. You are in this region, spiritually speaking, called life. But it's a real place. Hallelujah. What is this life? It's the Greek word zoe. And zoe life is something that is very, very unique. We have to understand it. If you look at the screen, zoe life, it says that it is life as a principle Life in the absolute sense. Absolute, not battery 10%. Your iPhone. That means, you know, your battery is dying. Life in the absolute, 100% and even more. Life in the absolute sense. It means the life as God has. The same life that God has, you have it. That's what it means. A life that comes directly from God. It's a life that comes directly from God. I have this forehead because my father had a forehead. And usually all kikons, have you ever seen kikons? They usually have this forehead. So I inherited some physical aspects from my ancestors. Amen. See, in the same way when you get born again, God gives birth to you so you have His life. The life of God is in you. Amen. It's a life that is living, active, and vigorous. But it's spiritual. That means you cannot feel it. You cannot see it. But you have to believe it. When you believe it, it is activated. Eternal life is the present actual possession of the believer because of his identification with Christ. You have this life. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. In the translator's New Testament, it says, In the New Testament, eternal life is that kind of life which is given to all true believers in Christ. The word eternal draws attention to the quality of that life, not to its duration. We think in heaven, we're just going to plunk, 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 play the violin and the harp and just float in clouds forever. You thought that right? No, that's not what's going to happen. Heaven is an experience of life. Because there's no time in heaven. So everything is going to be full life. There's not even a day of worry. Not even a second of fear in heaven. Woo! Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Can you imagine every day full of hope? Without even a memory of discouragement. A tinge of sadness. Have you ever had some good news? Someone came and gave good news to your family and all the, hey, rejoicing. And someone from the side said, hey, Bishi Krishna Bawide, kebab biahubo. Uh-huh. Has people said that? You know why? Because you're more aware of death than life. Because of sin, the consciousness of man has become aware of death, aware of bad news, aware of negative things to happen. And that's why, hoido, hoido, hoido. And all the joy is sucked out of that room. 
But do you know in heaven, there'll be no one like that? <laughs> in heaven, you can drive at 200 miles per hour and have no fear of death. <laughs> because you will have a resurrected body. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's a quality of life. Thus, eternal life can be experienced by believers even while subject to the temporal conditions of earthly life. I'm not saying you will live forever. No. Till Jesus comes, we will die because we'll be in mortal bodies. But you have the seed. You have the down payment of that eternal life here today. You don't have to wait for heaven. You can begin to enjoy the life of God here in this lifetime, even from today. Why? Number one, Jesus is the source. Look at Hebrews chapter 7. You've got to see this because I'm teaching you revelation. Deep revelation from the Word of God. This is not your normal everyday traditional message. But you've got to learn to walk this walk by faith because this is the strong man's Christianity. This is not special service, special song Christianity. This is not go to church and be happy Christianity. This is faith. You've got to learn to walk by faith as a strong man in Christ. Because the trials that are coming in the days to come, the difficulty coming on the earth, the confusion in the nations, the, the hearts of men failing because of fear. I'm telling you, there's going to be more turmoil in the nations. In Auckland, we're pretty secluded, protected. Even the Indian economy is in some sense protected because they're very strong fundamentals in our economy. But when everything around the world goes into a twist, it will begin to affect us. You got to learn to walk by faith. Don't wait to get to the Olympics and start running. Big stomach, Olympics. No, I got to exercise. No, you have no time. The things that are about to come, we must be on our knees praying, I'm telling you. Prayer is not a luxury for Christians. It is essential. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest. Chapter 7 talks about Melchizedek, who was the first priest mentioned in the Bible. His antecedents are not mentioned. How he came and where he went. He just makes an entrance and he leaves. And the Bible says Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, meaning that Melchizedek is a type of Jesus. There were other high priests in the Bible, Aaron and his sons Eliezer and so on. The human high priests, all right? So the human high priest is a type of Jesus. So we must try to understand some difference here. Verse 16, who has come? Referring to Jesus. Not according to the law of a fleshly commandment. What's the law of a fleshly commandment? The fleshly commandment, the commandment God gave Israel is this you will have a high priest. And the role of the high priest is to represent the whole nation before God, in the presence of God, perform the rites, the rituals, the blood sacrifice, so that the way the high priest performs, God is pleased and God blesses everyone because of the role of the high priest. Did you get it? So on the Day of Atonement, that is Good Friday, the high priest will do his part, come and bless the whole nation and you will go home blessed in your heart knowing that this year your crop is going to be blessed, this year your cows are going to be blessed because the high priest did a good job. So now your hope is on the high priest. The only problem is this, human high priests, they die. They pass away. And when Aaron dies, you don't trust his son anymore because you grew up with his son together. And you begin to judge the son. And you don't trust the other high priest. So your hope is not eternal. Your hope is not lasting. It depends on the human priests. So when they die, you lose confidence. So it is not constant. But the Bible says in verse 16, Jesus has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Oh, He came according to the power of an endless, endless life. Which means this high priest is never going to kick the bucket. This high priest is never going to die. Our high priest in heaven, Jesus, He is never going to die. That means if He is alive, 
we will always have life. The source of our life is not us, it's Him. He came according to the power of an endless life. Endless, endless, endless. Glory. I wish vacations were endless. (laughs) Right? Endless. You know what it means? It means the life that is in you is endless. It's not temporal. But you, you don't know it because you're just too focused on your thoughts, your feelings, and you don't know how to walk in this life. And that's why our Christian life is up and down, up and down, up and down. See, Jesus, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27. John 14, 27. Oh, it's going to be a long message, man. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> Turn to the neighbor and say, I'll see you here next Sunday also. Yeah, and Christians don't lie, okay? John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. Jesus is saying to his disciples, my peace. Jesus is saying, it's my peace. We just talk to one another, right? Peace to you, peace to you. It means nothing. Can you give me any peace? No. But when Jesus says, my peace I give to you, can He give something tangible? Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace is a very rare commodity in these days. It's rarer than diamonds and precious stones. Because the hearts of many, and even I suspect even today, here, are filled with fear, panic, anxiety. Mental illness is growing all around the world. It's a fact. Depression and suicides is the hidden epidemic. In America, there is an opioid crisis. An opioid crisis is painkillers. Painkillers is killing more people than guns. And they're using painkillers for? pain in the body and in the heart. It's growing. It's an epidemic all around the world. Why? No mental peace, no heart peace. And the peace that the world gives, Jesus says, not as the world gives. My peace is not like the world's peace. The peace that the world gives from pills is for four hours, five hours. I've counseled so many people who are going through depression and panic attacks and they say, I take a pill at 10 and I sleep for two hours. And I wake up. I cannot sleep. I have to take more pills to sleep for another two hours. It comes and it goes. The peace that the world gives. Christmas, suddenly Nagaland is singing. By January, no more songs. Because now you have to give Bucky. Right? All the Christmas you enjoyed on credit, now Bucky will again. No peace. The peace the world gives is temporal. It comes and it goes. You go for a holiday, you enjoy. But the moment you land in Dimapur airport, the auto rickshaw driver will charge you 1,000 rupees and you lost all peace. You read the newspaper, this whole says things. This whole is saying that this underground group, another underground group has come out. No peace the moment you land in Dimapur. The peace the world gives is temporary. That's why some people say, ah, oh, I want to sleep and never get up. Have you ever said that? Yeah. You know why? Because of stress, lack of peace. But Jesus says, my peace, my peace I give to you. God's peace, Jesus' peace is a permanent peace. And if you are a believer, you already have this peace. This peace is already in you. It's in your spirit, man. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And this peace is supposed to function here internally first. And you must not allow fear and worry and trouble to get in your heart. Because you have the nature of God in you. God is a God of peace. That's His nature. If you are created in His image, you have that nature in you. You have peace in you. Can you say Amen? That's the DNA of God and it's in you. So when you're walking in peace continually, you are enjoying the new life in Christ. 
you're experiencing the new life in Christ. And you can have this peace wherever you are in whatever circumstance of life you are. Jesus was in the boat and he was full of peace. And he was able to speak to the storm and the storm subsided. Jesus was in the midst of a multitude all saying, Jesus, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. And not even once did Jesus lose his cool. He was always in peace. Why? He was walking from an in internal supernatural peace at all the time. Even when his mother said, Jesus, make some wine. Jesus did not say, why are you always nagging me, mother? I know some of you say that. I say that. Husband, do you say that to your wives? See, Jesus was always walking from the source of a supernatural, divine peace in his soul, in his spirit. And that's why no matter what he faced, when Pilate was judging him, he was peaceful. When the Jews said, crucify him, crucify him, he was peaceful. See, some of us make the excuse, oh, if only I'm in prayer house, I'll be peaceful. Oh, if only I'm on the beach, I'll be peaceful. Oh, if only I'm on Mount Jaffa, I'll be peaceful. The problem is you cannot stay there permanently. You got to come and live with humanity. Jesus came and showed us what a man in God must live like. And if Jesus showed it to us, it is possible for us. Then when everyone is gossiping about you, like the high priest against Jesus, you are in peace. Shalom. When your friends have rejected it, you are still in peace. You know why? Because you have the peace of Jesus in you. You have the new life of Jesus in you. And no matter what is happening around the world, there's peace in your heart. You know why? Because Jesus is in your heart. Can you say amen? See, Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, that's mean it's not coming from fleshly things, natural things. But it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is your new life in Christ. This is the point. The new life in Christ is not physical. It's not natural. It is in the Spirit. It's in the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the new life in you. How many of you have the Holy Spirit in you? Can I see your hands? It means you have the life in you. You have this life in you. Don't worry. Don't be confused. No matter what you're feeling, you have this life in you. You have to just believe. And this life is felt in a sense. Manifested in peace and joy on the inside. Believing that you are righteous in Christ. There's a sense of rightness. When I first got born again, gave my life to the Lord. The first deposit I sensed of the kingdom was peace and joy here on the inside. Tremendous peace and joy. I was surprised because I had never felt that way before. And not only that, my sensitivity to the things of God was heightened. I remember listening to a worship song in my own bedroom and I began to weep. Because that worship song was full of the presence of God. In the past, I never weeped because of a song. But after I got born again, my heart was sensitive to the things of God. What was that? I was experiencing the new life in Christ. And I know that many of you have experienced that also. In fact, even right now, when I'm preaching, is your heart, are you sensing this warm, Sensation in your heart? Yes or no? Is the word just ministering to you? Yes or no? That's the new life in Christ. That is the new life. You have that life in you. Your heart is being moved and you're saying, yes, yes, in your heart there's a conviction. That is the new life. Hallelujah. Now some people are saying, but pastor, I was really joyful when I got born again, but ah, uh, after some time, I got depressed. Um, I don't know what happened. Have I lost my salvation? I, I, I backslide and then I... Pastor, I feel like I've lost that life. Many Christians always come with that question during counseling. What happened? Let me give you quickly four points why many don't enjoy this life even though they have it. Number one. I hope you're taking notes. Romans chapter 8. 
verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. Carnally minded. If your mind is always thinking of fleshly things, carnal things, People said this to me, I don't like her, she's, she's, she's not good looking, or he's from a different tribe, or he's Indian. Or, uh, your mind is always thinking of carnal things, fleshly things. The Bible says it's death. It produces death in your soul. That means you don't sense this life because of your mind, your thoughts. A carnal mind is a mind more conscious of the physical and natural realm than the truths of God's Word. It is a mind controlled by the senses and intellectual reasoning. It is a mind more conscious of your own feelings and thoughts and circumstances of life and not about the Word of God. And some believers, they are in depression and anxiety. They justify why they should be in depression and anxiety rather than believing in the Word of God. That is a carnal mind. The disciples of Jesus were looking at the storm. The boat was going. They were conscious of the storm, the wind. Hey, we're about to die. We're about to die. Jesus, you don't even love us. That's what we mean by a carnal mind. You're only thinking of what the news said, what this underground said, what this leader said, what the inflation says, what your body is saying to you. And the carnal mind, the Bible says, is death. The word death means separated from the life of God. You can't enjoy peace. You can't enjoy joy. You cannot enjoy the presence of God because of your mind. What you are thinking. I'm telling you the truth. It's the truth. Have you ever gone to your wedding? And you're enjoying the food and then suddenly you see someone you don't like. And the moment you see that person, all that joy is gone. Yes or no? Because the moment you saw that person, it came your thought, what he said about you. And the moment that thought came, you lost that life. Your thoughts are powerful. There have been many times when I'm driving and the person in front of me is very slow and I'm... Ah, ah, ah. Uh, and then when I'm taking over, I'm like, I want to give him a stare. I'm taking over and I see he's a member of the church. So the moment I see, eh, suddenly, changes come. Why? Thought. A thought. The moment a thought comes. So to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded. That means if you place your mind on Christ, if you will train your mind to think about spiritual truths, I am forgiven. Think about it every moment. I am redeemed. Oh, God lives in me. I am forgiven of my sins. I'm righteous. I'm adopted. I'm accepted by God. I'm blessed in Christ. You're using your mind to think on spiritual truths. Then you will have peace. Hallelujah. Peace is powerful. Peace produces good health. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, resurrection life, and seated at His right hand, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and far above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And God put all things under the feet of Jesus Christ. That's a truth. That's a fact. That's what we must believe. So when I was going through depression and panic attacks and I couldn't sleep because my mind was so conscious of the fact that I had an attack, I may have an attack, it's coming again. So I'm always thinking, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Sudden news, door, door, the door will bang, and I will start panicking. Phone call come, I will start panicking. Why? Because my mind was just conscious of what had happened. Did you get it? So I began to yield to the feelings of fear. I was yielding to the feelings and the thoughts of fear. So I had to go into the Word and learn to exercise my faith. So faith teaches me to believe what the Bible says, not my feelings, not my thoughts. Believe what the Bible says. So I had to learn to exercise my faith by speaking. Whether I felt victory, whether I felt peace or not, even in the midst of overwhelming fear that I felt and my mind telling me, 
You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. I had to open my mouth and say, fear is under my feet. Why? Because I am part of the body of Christ. I am in Christ. If all things are under the feet of Jesus, all things are also under my feet. Fear is under my feet. So I had to get up in my bedroom at night and walk around saying, fear is under my feet. I believe fear is under my feet because the Bible says everything has been put under the feet of Jesus. Fear is under my feet. Fear is under my feet. Depression is under my feet. Panic is under my feet. Satan is under my feet. I had to say it. What is that? That's called faith. And I had to even tell myself, it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I am going through. It doesn't matter what thoughts are coming to me. Only the Word of God matters. And the Word of God says, fear has been defeated. Satan has been defeated. So fear is under my feet. Anxiety is under my feet. And I had to practice the Word. I'm not just making up things. I was speaking what the Word of God says. And the more I stood on the Word of God, the more I sensed the peace of God growing and increasing. And I became conscious of this life in me, the peace of God, the joy of God. And I began to expect that more and more and more and less and less the fear and bang, without knowing it, I was free from depression. Can we say amen? It doesn't matter what your feelings say. You know, some people say, oh, Pastor Sean, emotional preacher. The church, emotional Oh, don't believe all these emotions. I'm not emotional. You can ask my wife. I'm not emotional. I'm not emotional. Now, I believe that when you understand the truths of redemption, it must move your emotions. So if you say you are a Christian, but your emotions are never moved by the cross, you are not a Christian yet. Now, we are, our faith is not emotional faith. It's not up and down faith. Our faith is a constant faith. But if you believe in the cross and the power of the blood and in Jesus, it will move your emotions. But it's not just flaky emotions. It is faith emotions. We don't live by our feelings. We live by the Word. And because we live by the Word, even though there is inflation, my heart is full of hope. And even though there's darkness in the world, my heart is full of light. And even though there is no fruit on the trees, and even though the, the, the fields are dark and brown, and there's no harvest, even then I will sing. That's what the Bible says. That's not emotions. That's not feelings. That's faith. That's how you live your new life in Christ. It doesn't matter what your feelings say. Put it under your feet. It doesn't even matter what your thoughts say. Your thoughts are not your God. The truth is the word. Your thoughts are not the truth. So line your thoughts to the word of God. No Christian is poor. Don't ever say I'm poor. You are rich in Christ. See, if you say you're poor, 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 you're only conscious of money. You're only conscious of your bank account. You're only conscious of your poverty. You're only conscious of how backward we are. And that's a carnal mind. You have to be conscious of how much potential you have in Christ. The greatest wealth of Nagaland is not agriculture. It's not tourism. It's you. It's us. People will come from America, have B20, G20, say, oh, so much potential here. Oh, you can develop tourism here, agriculture here. But I tell you, until the Naga mine is developed, we will still sing the same song after 20 years. We'll be singing the same hymn. Come and see how good we dance. But our mind is still in poverty. The greatest Treasure is us. It's your heart and your mind.
Our beauty is not our dresses, I tell you. As beautiful as it is, it is not our dresses. There are other tribes in the world who have more beautiful dress. There are others who can sing better than us, dance better than us. So if all our beauty and all our value is only in this, oh, how sad will be. I'm telling you the truth. Because the world, as it progresses faster and faster, the world wants this. Mind, enhance, wisdom, understanding, creativity. Naga dance, you can take for two days. After that, you can't take, I'm telling you. It's the truth. How many days you'll take? Hey, oh. Every day of your life? My gosh. Okay. I love you, all right? Watching online. It's the mind. It's the mind. It doesn't matter what your feelings or thoughts say. The word, the word, the word, the word alone. So don't let your mind be focused so much on your feelings and circumstance that you get separated from the life of God. Number two is this. Walking in sin and disobedience to God will cause you not to enjoy that life of God in you. Number three. Walking in unbelief when you don't know the Word of God, when you don't exercise your faith, and we don't have desire to grow in the things of God, you will not enjoy the life of God. Number four, walking in offense, hatred, and unforgiveness in the heart will kill this life. I'm not saying this life can be killed, but it will disconnect you from the life of God. Just hate someone and see how well you sleep. <laughs> Try it tonight. Think of all the people you hate. Think of all your enemies and go into a restful sleep. I tell you, you won't be able to sleep because your heart will be burning, burning with revenge. It's the truth. See, John 10, 10 says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. Jesus came so that we may have life and that we may have it abundantly. Abundantly means overflowing measure. Life, Zoe. Hallelujah. Sometime back, I went to the hospital to pray for someone. Many years back. The person was about to die, man. He was like, ah, oh, just weak. No life. Color was not there. Very pale. Prayed for him. And the family was like, oh, we need blood. We need blood. We need blood. Doctor saying we need blood. So some people came and they donated blood that night. The next day, I went again to see. He was smiling. Red color on his face. I was like, what happened? Blood. <laughs> See, Leviticus 17, 11 says, the life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. That's why the animal sacrifice was accepted on behalf of the guilty Israelite till Jesus comes. Life is in the blood. Do you know that life is in your blood? You can give life to someone. That's why they say, do not donate just blood. It's like donating of a life, right? So that man was about to die, weak, pale, but the next morning smiling, full of life. Why? Life came into him. In the same way, Jesus has come into us, not so that we will just say, Christian. No, Jesus has come to us with the experience of a new life. It's a new life. That means Everything must change. Hallelujah. I met this person in Burma just last month. He was a mafia leader, a drug addict, a drug runner, even a rapist. He saw a Christian girl who was taught here in Koima Bible College. And he wanted her. Began to threaten her and said, if you don't become my wife, I will destroy you. That woman did not want but a thought came to her. Just by being friends, you may be able to bring her to the Lord. They were both in Thailand, Burmese in Thailand working. So she invited him to church. So he came to church, sat somewhere in the back, and he was listening to this preacher talking about Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call unto me and I will answer you. He heard that for the first time and in his heart he said, if you are a true God, I'll call unto you right now. And he began to call from his heart, Jesus, if you are real, and he began to call, Lord, change my life. I don't want to be this mafia leader. I don't want to be a drug addict. At that moment, bang! 
he testified in his own words. I was listening to him. Peace came in his heart. Such tremendous peace that he began to cry. He began to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That moment, no revival service. When the preacher was preaching, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was just crying. And he says, that very moment, I was delivered from drugs. I was delivered from sex addiction. I was delivered from all the evils in my life. I became a new man. What is that? That's the new life in Christ. He's a completely different man. Ministers to drug addicts. Rescues them. Rehabs them. Provides even for their financial needs. Jesus I have come that you may have church. I have come that you will become Baptist. No. Nothing wrong with the Baptist. But that's just a word. You can be Baptist and go to hell. You can be charismatic and go to hell. It's only a word. The man is do you have Jesus? Because this life is not in denomination, it's not in church, it's not in songs, it's not in anything we do. This life comes only from Him. He says, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Me. If you have this life, you will bear fruit in your life. Fruit of love and joy and peace and victory. See, being a Christian is more than just changing your name, getting a certificate. Being a Christian is receiving this life. Oh, this new life. Oh, is getting this life, this life, this life in you. And when it begins here on the inside, in your spirit, it begins to touch every area. It begins to heal your emotions. You begin to forgive. You begin to love. You begin to not hate anymore. You begin to stop your racism and your prejudice and your hatred. You begin to love the world and you begin to be healed in your heart. You begin to be healed in your mind. Your mind gets clearer. Your mind gets sharper. Your mind gets more focused and you begin to be healed in your body. Your body becomes to be lighter. Your body becomes to be stronger and then your relationship Relationships get healed. You go and you forgive your neighbor for stealing your chicken. Oh, and you go and you reconcile with your enemies and you forgive your wife and your wife forgives you and your relationships get healed. And then this life flows into your finances because you learn to be a giver and you learn to trust in God and your finances get healed and it begins to flow into your career. It begins to flow into your profession because now you learn to walk in faith. You learn to walk in honor to your bosses and it begins to flow in every area of your life life till your heart, your life, your life, your life is like a rainbow. Woo! The life of Christ. It is not just namesake, traditional, denominational, religion. And every one of you can have this life. Last night, we worshiped the Lord. We worshiped, we worshiped. At 4 p.m. Taliang and his band were here. Come tonight, all right? It's not only for young people. In fact, if you disqualify yourself thinking it's only for young people, it already shows your faith. You believe you're old and ready to die. <laughs> we're all young in Christ. Don't see yourself in your physical age. See yourself in your spiritual age. Your spiritual age, you're always young. Why? Because you're in the spirit. Oh, you're always young. Amen. So we were worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. And guess what? When we were worshiping Jesus and our hearts were flooded with love. This is called the experience of that life. There are times you read the Word and you read and you read and you read and as you're reading, your heart, your inside is flowing in peace and joy. Oh, there are times in Philippians 4 verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Anxiety is a sign that you don't pray. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, every moment of fear is an invitation for prayer. Please put it up on the screen, Philippians 4 verse 6. How many of you got worried last week? Can I see your hands? Oh man, you guys are amazing. Not a single one got worried. Oh, please pray for me, man. Angels we have here today. How many of you experience worry every day? Yeah. Worry is an invitation to pray. 
The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Nothing. Nada. Kush bin nahi. But in everything, every time you have fear and worry, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Look at the next verse. This is amazing. And when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, means it's divine, it's His peace, will guard your hearts. Let not your heart be troubled. This peace is the life in Christ. The peace of God will guard your hearts. The first response of God to your prayer is not a miracle, it's peace. But you are not peaceful because you want the miracle. Because you are carnally minded, you want to see, 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 see. People text me and saying, please pray for me whether I should join college. And if the Lord says no, please tell me. I don't know them from Adam, I've never met them. I don't reply to such texts. And they use words like Amo, Apro, Amotze. But I don't know them. So I don't reply. You know why? Because that is not my job. It's your job to pray. Amen. It's your job to pray. And when you pray, the first reply of God is peace. Peace. When there's peace in your heart, you know what it means? It means I am working. Chill. Relax, I'm at work. But you want to see, right? You want to see immediately the result, the, the, the miracle you want to see. That's why your mind is always thinking about what you see, what you feel, and you lose the peace. But when you experience the peace, when you pray, the first place change comes is here. In you, in your life, not in your wife, in your life. <laughs> Maybe that's for someone. It's a prophetic word. You want to see your wife change, you're so frustrated. He was doing so. Mother wife changed. No, yo. Pratno Kuriwina, peace ahibodivi. Maybe when the peace comes in your heart and you begin to treat your wife peacefully, she will change. And that could be for everyone. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.